So in the midst of this great commission where Jesus is giving the disciples his marching orders, he's putting them in a place to begin their ministry where they can see people of all nations. But they start in Galilee. The place is important. The second thing, they were called to go somewhere. They were called to be obedient What does it say there? It says, the disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. He called them to believe when he told them to do something, that what it was that they were doing was going to be blessed because it was what he said. So he calls them to a specific place. He calls them to obedience. Third thing. Uh, Hold on here. I got a typo in my thing. What do they do? Right away, it starts out of worship. There's a love relationship that begins here, or not begins, continues here. This commissioning, this time of the pep rally that Jesus has given his disciples is a love fest in some ways. It's Jesus saying to them, I love you, and out of my love for you, now you go and love me. Do these things that I've asked you to do. To a place, out of obedience, in love, and finally, you got this really interesting phrase, but some doubted. Does anyone read that and wonder who these disciples are to doubt a person who not long before was dead, but now he's not? Does anyone wonder about how in the world these people can doubt Jesus? Does anyone wonder that? I do, until I start thinking about who I am. Because sometimes I doubt Jesus, don't I? How many of you have doubted Jesus at times? Jesus is calling his disciples to something that is hard, and they're going to doubt. And when we doubt, what do we have to do? We have to trust Because there are times when we're not going to have answers. We're going to wonder what is ahead. The disciples had no idea. They had no idea that within four, five, six years, they would be all over the place, all over the Mediterranean. More than a couple of them would would be dead. Several of them would have been crucified. They would have been tortured. They would have been rejected. They certainly had to get out of Jerusalem because it got too hot there. So you're called to a place, disciples. You are called to obedience, disciples. You are called to love me because I have loved you. Now go and do the things that I'm I'm calling you to do. And when you go out and do them, it's going to be hard sometimes. You're going to doubt. It means you got to trust. Place, obedience, love, and trust. That's the context in which Jesus begins his big pep rally. Verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, I, I, I read these things and I wonder, okay, Jesus, what are you trying to do here? Why would that be your opening statement? Why wouldn't you say something like, disciples, you have no idea how exciting the things ahead are going to be for you. 
Or Jesus could have said, hey, guess what? I'm the risen Jesus, and I, I can do things that you can't imagine, and now you're going to be able to do them too. He doesn't fire them up that way. He fires them up by saying who he really is. He's claiming kingship. Now, you got to remember who these people are. These are disciples, or these are, these are Israelites, And the Israelites had a king, right? They had King Herod. And if Herod said to do something to a Galilean, what did the Galilean do? He did it. And what happens if he didn't do it? He'd probably die. When people in authority speak to you, you do what it is that they call you to do. I want you to think for a moment who has authority in your life. Just... Someone yell out, who's someone who has authority in your life? What's that? Your wife. Wow. We went to level 10 right away. We didn't even pass go. We we didn't start at one or two. We got right to my wife. By the way, you're a very smart person. Who else has authority? Your boss does. Absolutely he does. (laughs) Don't you forget it. True story. If I ask Beth to do something, she hears that differently than if just any one of you would. Why? Because there's actually a job description that says somewhere that I have authority. So she listens to my authority. Otherwise, there could be consequences. Anyone else have authority over you? Your pastor, okay. God be praised. If that is something that you receive, absolutely. There's some spiritual authority that I carry. Who else? Mom and dad do. Absolutely. We actually, we've had some family meetings this past week where mom and dad have had to speak into the lives of our children because there's authority. And if our kids don't listen and hear what it is that we have to say, there can be trouble. Think about it. We have other people who have authority. If a police officer ever asks you for your ID, while you're, you know, if you, you need to surrender your ID when asked by a police officer, they have some authority. There's, there's authority that certain government agencies have over us. There are people who have authority, and if we do not listen to that authority and do what it is that we are asked to do, there can be consequence. And here, in this text, the greatest authority to ever exist anywhere, ever, at any time, is claiming that authority in the life of his disciples, and then also to us. And he is saying, here's some things you might want to be about. So I hope when we read this part of the text, the Great Commission, what we're hearing is not just a suggestion. Instead, what we are hearing is a command from not only one who has authority over us, but he also actually has something even greater for us. He has love for us. So what he is asking you and I to do is not just something that I want you to do it, so go do it. It's something that he's saying to us, I love you so much that I want you to be about the best things. Guess what? Here they are. Here are the best things for you. Now go do them. And so he begins to jump into what he wants done. Verse 19. 
Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So we hear this command right away. It is, again, an imperative. An imperative simply meaning a command structure. The one who has died for them says now to them, go. But remember where they are, right? If they are on a Ramos Tapos, for them to go and make disciples is not going to China. It's not even going to Portland for the Giffins. Are the Giffins gone? Bye, Giffen. See ya. It's not necessarily doing those sorts of things. It's going to Gamla, a two-day or a two-hour walk. It's going to uh, Nazareth, which is in Galilee. It's real close. It's going to Tiberias, where you're going to meet a different group of people and make disciples of them. It's going to the Decapolis. It's even going on the big one, Jerusalem, in the days to come. And eventually we hear, of course, go to all nations is going to places of Italy, Greece. Paul and his missionary journeys certainly shows that. And as we look at these verses and as we as leadership have looked at these verses, we see right here in verse 19, three of our values. Here's three of our values. And I want you to get these five words in your brain. So make sure you write them down. The first value is to go. Gee, I wonder where we got that value from in this verse. What is the first thing he says? He says, go. Second thing is, want to grow. It says, go and do what? Make disciples. Ask anybody who is a teacher, what is the best way to learn about a subject? What will they tell you? Teach it. You want to be a person who is growing as a disciple? Find a person who is a little bit less far along in the process of growing as a disciple and disciple them. Find a person, if you know just a little bit about the Bible, if they know nothing about the Bible, disciple them in understanding more about what you know. Because as you learn more about what you know, you're going to learn more about the Bible in general. Making disciples is something that as we live into things that we are not even sure about, our, about ourselves, into the lives of others, it grows us. I got to tell you, when I, since I have taken this role and this responsibility of being the pastor at the river, there are a whole lot of things that I didn't know about a lot of stuff. And I can tell you that the greatest opportunities for growth in my life over the last seven years are by, have been when I have to, had to walk with another person in learning about something that I'm not even sure about myself. That grows me. And for us to be growing is God's calling to us. So we go, we grow. And then the third one is, it says this in the text. It says, go and make disciples of who? All nations. What does that mean? What does the word all mean? It means all, right? The word all means all. It means everybody. It's go, into the, go and preach my gospel to every creature. Which means that for us to be open to the people of all nations. Right? Because those are the people that we're supposed to be making disciples of. 
then we need to welcome people of all nations into our lives, into our neighborhoods, into our communities, into our church, into what it is that we do. God's calling to go make disciples of all nations is not always about going to China or going to some other place. Sometimes it is just about enlarging the borders around our own lives and saying, come on in. Come on in. Come on into the doors of the river. Come on into the doors of my home. Come on into the doors of my life. Come on into the doors of my heart. Welcoming others. And guess what? That's messy. Isn't it? Welcoming people who are not like you is a lot harder than welcoming people who are like you. Isn't it? It would be a whole lot easier. I, I gotta th- in my, I'm going to tell you something about my worst days. On the worst days, there's a job site posting that I can go and look at jobs in other churches. And there are other churches out there that everyone in that church looks exactly like I do. They are white. They are probably Dutch. They have the same uh, upraising as I do. And the same background as I do. There are churches out there like that. And there are times that I think to myself, boy, would it ever be easier out there. Because you folks are a bunch of freaks. (laughs) You are weird. And you are wacky. And you are different. And you make life hard sometimes. Because oftentimes, when I look at my African American brothers and sisters, it is hard for us to do ministry because of some of the differences that we have, isn't it? There are things that I say up there that you're going, oh, brother, you don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) It is hard oftentimes to work with people who are in a different socioeconomic status than I am. Because I don't understand how they read scripture when they read about poverty. I read it differently. And it means sometimes that we have challenges here in this community because we welcome others. It means that there are generations, and I'm sorry, I just look at that back row back there. You are a lovely group of people that I'm awfully glad who is here with us. Guess what? You make my life harder because you think about God differently than I do, and you challenge me to think about God differently, and I'm grateful that you're here, but it makes it more difficult. Sometimes it would simply be easier if it were all the same, but here's the problem. If it were all the same, then we wouldn't be obedient. If this church looks the same as it is in two years, we're not being obedient, friends. Because we need to welcome others who are different than us. And I know that there are some of you for whom that is a scare, that's fearful. I get it. I understand. I have that same fear sometimes. But it's obedient. And God has called us in the great commission to be obedient. And when it gets tough and I have doubt, see it in the text, but I will trust. Next in verse 20, let's finish this passage. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
Right there, Jesus is calling them to value something. He's calling them to value his word. How do we know that? What does he say? Teaching them to obey everything what? I have commanded you. So Jesus' words then have value. What does that mean for us? This is value. It means that we need to be people who are growing in this. It's one of the reasons why we spend so much time, energy, and talent on trying to make sure that you have opportunities to be in the Word daily. If you're not a part of our daily devotionals, you should be if you're not doing something to grow in your love for the words that God has given you in Jesus Christ. For you and I to be growing, that's another one of our values, see? Grow. But it also has, it has two others, the two final values in there. They're a little bit harder to mine, but I want you to walk with me if you will. It contains two other of our values called serve and give. Disciples serve and disciples give. You're going to look at that and you're going to wonder how it is that that happens. How so? Well, Jesus is calling them to, what is he calling them to do? Go and make disciples. Okay. Do you think that Jesus is calling them to make like D, C grade disciples? Is he calling them to make like sort of lukewarm disciples? Is that what Jesus wants? What do you think? No, right? He's calling them to make great disciples. He's calling them to be great in making great disciples. Well, if you are going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God, what are you? What is it? Your servant. If you are going to make great disciples, what are you going to be great at doing? You're going to be great at serving. I'm going to be great then at serving in your lives, in others' lives. I'm going to look at my world and I'm going to see hurricanes in places and ask, how is it that I can serve those people? I'm going to ask questions about people who are are victims of injustice in our community and in our city. I'm going to ask questions about how to to, uh, love and serve people who are different than me. So we're going to serve them, but we also are servants in our giving. And we want to be great at being givers, givers of our time, givers of our finances, givers of our talents, the things, three things that we just finished talking about. I, I thought about that yesterday. If you didn't see the Facebook posting from yesterday on the church, uh, church Facebook page, there was a group of people who on a Saturday where they all had plenty of other stuff to do, found out that somebody needed help moving. Somebody from our church needed help moving. And they gave of three to four hours on that Saturday morning to help them move. And the worst part of it is, is that initially they didn't get donuts. And the worst part is, is that they had been promised donuts. And the worst of the worst is that I had promised to bring them donuts, but I wasn't there. I am a horrible person, and I ask for the forgiveness of all of you who are with your smirk thinking, you big goofball. They gave three and a half, four hours with some sweat. Probably a couple of them have a couple cuts in their hands from grabbing something that was uncomfortable to grab. They had other things, but somebody needed help. So you serve. Why? Why? Because you want to make great disciples. 
You want to love another as Christ has loved you. You want to put another first. And for us to live into those sorts of things, when we live into that love that God has given us and communicate it to the world around us, that's when we're living into the blueprint. See, our mission, our our, our vision is this. To see a people inspired by God's love, faithfully sharing that love with the world. Say that with me. To see a people, a people inspired by, inspired by God's love, faithfully sharing that love with the world. If you have a worship, um, if you have a worship folder this morning, it's right in the front cover. It's highlighted in bold. I'd like you to take that home. You can, you don't have to recycle today. Sorry, Rachel, you're going to have to make some more. Tear that out. Take it home. Put it on your refrigerator. Be reminded. This is what we want to see. Part of our blueprint. Because we have a mission. We've got a job to do. We have a commission from God that we were given at the great pep rally in Galilee. And that mission is to make disciples who put God's love on display to the world. That's our job. That's what we do. And we got to learn how to do that more. As Nate said this morning, be renewed to that task. Some of you have been doing it for your entire lives. God be praised. But for us to have that blueprint in mind as we execute those five things, those five values that we're going to be talking about in weeks ahead, equips us for what it is that God has called us to. You know, today is a full day, right? We have worship, then we have a tent event, then we have a congregational meeting. And frankly, I haven't been sleeping well for about two, three nights. Why? Because it's a big, big day. There's a lot going on. But here's the beauty of a lot going on. It means that God has a lot going on in us. And I see that when I look out at us. I see people who I don't recognize. God be praised. Maybe the Lord is calling you to be a part of this. I see people who have come to the river in the last two or three years and are learning and growing and being challenged at different times. God be praised. So glad that you have been a part of helping us move and grow and think about things in a different way. I see people out there who've been around here for 10 years or so and you're trying to figure out, okay, what's this? some of these new shifts? What are some of these new things? What are, what are some things that God is doing? Some of you have been around here for 40 or 50 years. And you're still not even sure about me yet. I get it. But here's the thing. Do you want to be in a church where nothing changes? Do you want to be a part of a community where there's nothing going on? When I think about a lot going on, it's not just busy. Yeah, it is busy. It's not just busy. It means there's a lot of the spirit that God is doing something in our hearts and in our community that I just want to discover more about. Friends, as we gather here today, out in the tent event, there's going to be people out there that you can ask questions of. Tell me more about these things that are renewed here at the river about our vision, our values. There's a a leadership vision team that has been a part of that. If you're part of the leadership vision team, would you stand for a moment so we can see who you are and recognize you? And if there is something that God uh, is giving us a question about that we can ask you, see these folks over here in these different spots. These are folks who are a part 
of the work that God has given us as a community, and they can answer some questions for you of how did we get here? Where are some things that we need to know? Thank you, LVT. They're going to be out at the table. They're the people that you go to if you want the free swag. They got free stuff for you. It's because God is doing something here. And I want to be in a place where God is doing something. And I pray, I pray that I have more sleepless nights because the life of this community is so full of the Holy Spirit doing new things, new work, and new places, and places that we haven't even anticipated yet. Together, let's pray to that end. Lord, Father, we are grateful for your work in our community. You have equipped us and challenged us with people who've thought, prayed, discerned, about what it is that we are called to as the River Church. And we know, Lord, we're different than others in in some nuance. We're not different than others in that we're called to make disciples, but we're different than others in how we're called to do it. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you equip us to that end, that we can glorify you as we discover the ways that you have renewed the call in our hearts and our lives to welcome others, to grow as a disciple in Jesus Christ to give to your your kingdom through our finances, our time, and our talent. For us to go into the world, whether it be the neighbor next door or the person in the next cubicle or a kid in our classroom or or a, a family member, or if it is, Lord, the next city, the next state, the next country, the other part of the world. Wherever it is, Lord, that you call us to go, that we go there. And when we go, Lord, we are willing to, with our hands and with our mouths and with our lives, serve others. Serve others in a way that doesn't give glory to ourselves, but gives glory to you. It shows others who you are. You have loved us so much, and we want to, Lord, in response to your love, show that love to a world that desperately needs that. Lord, we finally, we want to pray for, it's, a, it's quite a day in our country. Think of the hurricanes. We think of all the stuff that's, that's happening with fires. And we think of some of the, the challenges that we face politically and culturally. And Lord, it seems like every day is a big day. But we know that every day is yours. It's every day is a day that you have made. We will rejoice, oh Lord God, and be glad in it. We pray your protection upon those in harm's way today. We pray your protection for those who have fear and doubt and are wondering. We pray for your protection, Lord, on our hearts and minds as we discover what it is ahead for us, Lord. May we listen, hear, obey. And in all that, Lord, may it be out of love that we have for you and love for others. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.